please stay tuned for important disclosure information at the conclusion of this episode. A rally in the stock market during a bear market might seem like the party has gotten started, but is it better to arrive early or late? Plus, inflation showed up as the uninvited guest this earnings season. We talk with Morningstar's chief U.S. market strategist, Dave Sakara, about what to expect going forward. And we got three stock picks you should consider before Labor Day arrives. This is Investing Insights. Welcome to the new Investing Insights. I'm your host, Ivana Hampton. We're bringing you a mix of market news, analyst insights, and personal finance tips in this new format. Let's get started with a look at your Morningstar headlines. Latecomers or early birds, whose portfolios do better in a bear market? Buying stock during a market swoon is standard stock market practice called buying the dips. That's when investors scoop up shares at what they think are discounts with hopes the stocks will rise again. Rallies during a bear market could be mistaken for the start of a new bull run. Buying early could then amplify losses. Bullish and bearish strategists hold differing views on whether mid-June marked a low in the stock market. A steep sell-off about two months later produced the worst one-day performance since June. Those events highlight why buying the dips might not always make the best sense. Dan Suzuki is the Deputy Chief Investment Officer at Richard Bernstein Advisors, and he says many investors want to buy early so they can be there at the bottom. Suzuki says it was better to be late than early in seven of the last 10 bear markets. Buying later usually improves returns and provides more time to make decisions about the state of corporate profits and market liquidity. Suzuki says there have been three bear markets in the last 70 years when investors benefited from buying stocks before the bottom. You can read about why that was the case. A link to Sandy Ward's article is in the show notes. Gap is showing some signs of a recovery. The retailer's second quarter sales dropped about 8%, slightly better than forecast. Banana Republic was its only brand to see same-store sales growth. Results were in line with Morningstar's forecast and the preliminary numbers released when the then-CEO left in July. Gap withdrew its outlook for the second half of the year, and it remains without a permanent leader. But sales have recently stabilized as inflation has cooled. Top executives have laid out plans to address key problems. And the most important of these is Old Navy's slow-selling merchandise. It's being dealt with through a $58 million inventory right now, discounting and new styles. Morningstar analyst David Schwartz believes Old Navy can be fixed. Then customers will return when it has the right products. The equity analyst is expecting to lower his $26 fair value estimate or what he thinks Gap stock is worth. He sees the shares as very undervalued. VMware's second quarter was relatively consistent with Morningstar's expectations. However, the software provider isn't floating any hints about the future. VMware is holding off on an outlook, and it has a pending deal to be bought by Broadcom for $61 billion. Morningstar thinks there's a 75% probability of that deal being completed at Broadcom's offer price. We think adding VMware aligns with Broadcom's push into software and expanding recurring revenue streams. VMware's unique value is being the easy path to embracing any cloud environment and helping organizations achieve the greatest utilization and security for their networking. 
VMware is undergoing a subscription and software as a service transition from perpetual licenses. A customer can use the software indefinitely under that kind of license. The transition is causing temporary headwind to growth. However, Morningstar believes these are short-term impacts and the underlying demand for VMware solutions remains robust. We're maintaining our $147 estimate of VMware stock. Some investors anticipate a weak earnings season. However, the corporate results seem stronger than expected. High inflation and what the Federal Reserve is planning to do about it are still having an impact on the markets. Morningstar's chief U.S. market strategist, Dave Sakara, is here to talk about all the above. Well, thanks, Dave, for being here with me today. Let's get right into the questions. We're close to earnings season wrapping up. What are some of the key takeaways? Well, there were certainly a couple of high-profile misses in the second quarter, but generally I would say the earnings came in better than what the market was expecting. But really even more important than what the earnings were in the second quarter was more the outlook that we were getting from management teams looking in the second half of the year. And generally I would say most of the management teams, while they're certainly cautious about the second half of the year, you know, they didn't throw in the towel and reduce earnings guidance for the most part. And I think that actually helped provide some good positive market sentiment that we saw in July and the first half of August. So what should we expect over the next couple of quarters? Well, as you know, as long-term investors, you know, we're not necessarily trying to look and see you know, which companies may have beat or missed by a couple of pennies any one quarter, but really looking to see, has there been a change in the underlying fundamentals of the business prospects for that company, which of course then would have a valuation impact. Now, having said that, one thing I do think investors need to prepare for for the next couple of quarters is the impact that exchange rates might have on earnings and earnings growth. So as you know, the value of the U.S. dollar has actually been appreciating very significantly this year. And in fact, if you look at a basket of the dollar versus other currencies or the U.S. dollar index itself, you know, you'll see that the value of the dollar is about its highest level over the past 20 years. So for companies with a lot of international sales, what you're going to see is that when those companies translate those earnings in the foreign currency back into dollars, that's going to reduce their earnings and reduce their earnings growth. Now, from a valuation perspective, you know, that really doesn't in and of itself change how we look at the intrinsic value of a company for the long term. But what I think is going to be key for investors to separate out those companies where they still have the same long-term sustainable competitive advantages as they had before the change in the dollar from those companies where the change in the value of the dollar versus the foreign currency may impact their business prospects going forward, which of course would then impact the value of that company. So a big part of the earnings season has been inflation. Mm -hmm. Inflation set at 8.5% in July because it cooled off a little bit from June. And the Federal Reserve, their target is 2%. Mm -hmm. Fed Chair Jerome Powell recently spoke in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, and he described the fight against inflation, that it could bring some pain. Mm -hmm. What does he mean, and how is Wall Street responding? Well, after his commentary, you know, we did see a pretty sharp sell-off you know, in the stock market. And to some degree, I think the market was surprised, and even I was surprised, just how blunt he was you know, in his commentary, you know, talking about that the Fed's really their singular focus right now is on fighting inflation. Now, typically from the Fed, you'll hear them also talk about their dual mandate, you know, not only in order to keep you know, prices relatively stable at that 2% target, but then also in order to be able to support and accommodate economic growth and support the jobs market. 
market. But in this case, you know, talking so much about inflation, I think they also acknowledge too that by fighting inflation as much as they are and still raising interest rates in order to do that, it will naturally cool the economy and of course also dampen you know, economic growth and also hamper you know, the jobs market as well. So I think that kind of shocked the market a little bit, just how focused they were on inflation you know, and even accepting you know, those trade-offs. And in fact, you know, some of the commentary, you know, looking at his transcript here, some of the quotes that really kind of struck me, you know, were one, you know, quote, the overarching focus right now is to bring inflation back down to our 2% goal. You know, another quote will require a sustained period of below trend growth. You know, and lastly, talking about you know, inflation in the past versus inflation now, really specifically getting to those really high periods of inflation you know, in the 70s and 80s. You know, this will require a lengthy period of very restrictive monetary policy ultimately needed to stem the high inflation. So the market is interpreting his commentary to mean that you know, interest rates, or at least the Fed's view of interest rates going forward, is that they're going to be higher for longer. And of course, with interest rates, if they are higher for longer, that will have an impact on earnings and earnings growth and the economy. So I think that's why we saw that sharp sell-off you know, in the marketplace. Now, our own U.S. economics team just recently put out kind of their updated forecasts. And so looking at our GDP expectation for this year and next, you know, we are seeing a slowdown. So we reduced our GDP expectation for this year to 1.8% from 2%. And then we do look for GDP to continue to decelerate then going into next year, now down to 1.2%. And in fact, you know, if there is going to be a recession, our view is that recession probably would occur you know, sometime in 2023. Now, the upshot to that, though, is that you know, with the economy kind of in this trajectory of slowing in 2023, you know, that will then provide the Fed ample ammunition to then be able to kind of halt you know, that fight against inflation. You know, we do expect inflation kind of peaked earlier this year, probably in June, will moderate in the second half of this year and continue to go down next year. So that will allow the Fed, you know, the room to actually not only halt kind of that tightening of monetary policy, but then give them the breathing room to actually now start accommodating monetary policy, you know, in an easier way in 2023. Well, let's talk top picks. Mm -hmm. Where should investors look for opportunities? But well, we think there's actually a lot of opportunities in the marketplace right now. So based on this pullback, we actually think the market from a broad perspective is actually trading at about a 15% discount to a composite of the fair values of the companies that we cover that trade on U.S. exchanges. So really, I'm really keeping more to thematic ideas, you know, looking at, you know, the third quarter and into, you know, the second half of the year. And I think if we've, you know, spoken about in the past, you know, lithium is one of those areas that we do see long-term secular growth, specifically in the electric vehicle market. So as you may remember, you know, we project right now that by 2030, about two-thirds of all global new auto production will be electrified, whether they're battery electric vehicles or hybrid vehicles. And then when we look at the amount of lithium that's not just produced today, but even the amount of lithium that we expect to come online over the next decade, we think the lithium market itself is actually going to be undersupplied, and that's going to keep prices higher than the marginal cost over the next decade. So a couple of different stocks that we cover that we think are pretty attractive right now. Uh, the first one I'd point to is going to be Lithium Americas, five-star rated stock, trades below half of what we think the long-term value of that company is worth today. Uh, it does have you know, some risks in that one, so for some 
customers or some clients that may have an interest in something a little bit you know, less risky, I would uh, point out Able Merle. You know, that one's a uh, four-star rated, trading at a 20% discount to our fair value. And lastly, Livent, also four-star rated, trading at a 20% discount to our fair value. Now, in addition to the lithium producers, you know, some other ways that you can play kind of that long-term growth in the electric vehicle market would be in the specialty chemicals area. So two companies that we've been pointing out there would be DuPont and Eastman Chemical. Essentially, it takes you know, two to three times as many specialty chemicals to be able to make an electric vehicle as it does for an internal combustion engine. You know, and lastly, not only you know, looking at like Ford and GM and Tesla, another way to be able to play that market is actually in the auto parts suppliers. So one company that we've been focused on that we think has a really strong product lineup in order to support that growth of electric vehicles you know, is Borg Warner. Uh, Borg Warner is a, uh, is a narrow moat uh, rated company trading at five stars. It also trades at about half of our fair value. Now, another theme uh, that we've been looking at this year is going to be cybersecurity. So of course, you know, cybersecurity is always important to companies, but just based on you know, the global political situation that we've seen, increase in ransomware attacks, you know, cybersecurity is becoming you know, ever more important to companies. So we see a long-term secular growth in the cybersecurity market, and I think this specific sector has a lot of really attractive dynamics to it. So for example, when you look at IT spending, you know, the spending for IT on cybersecurity is actually a relatively low percent of that spending. But of course, you know, it's a very small percent of what the expenses would be if a company is hacked, you know, both from what they have to pay in order to be able to fix it, as well as their own reputational cost. So a couple companies, you know, that we think are very attractive right now, you know, first would be Okta. Again, it trades at about half of our fair value estimate. Narrow economic moat, five-star rated stock. You know, a couple others that trade at a 25% discount to our fair value would include uh, Fortinet and Zscaler. Thanks, Dave, for sharing your insights of what's going on to the markets and those top picks. Have a great day. All right. Well, thank you. Three companies are standing out among their competition, and investors might want to consider them. Morningstar's Director of Content, Susan Jubinski, tells us about three of the best stocks to buy before Labor Day. Hi, I'm Susan Chabinski with Morningstar. Investors have endured a lot of stock market uncertainty this year due to high inflation, rising interest rates, and a slowing economy. During uncertain times, investors may want to own companies that offer some sense of certainty in terms of cash flows and company fundamentals. That's where Morningstar's best companies to own list comes in. The companies on this list have significant competitive advantages, and we think those advantages are stable or growing. We believe the best companies have predictable cash flows and are run by management teams that have a history of making smart capital allocation decisions. But the best firms aren't always the best stocks to buy at a given point in time. How much an investor pays to own a company is important too. With that in mind, here are three companies on our list whose stocks look undervalued today. The first is Equifax. One of the leading credit bureaus in the United States, Equifax faces strong headwinds today as mortgage market weakness and a subsequent decline in mortgage credit inquiries takes a toll. We nevertheless think the market is being overly harsh. In fact, Morningstar thinks Equifax's workforce solutions segment is differentiated and growing at a healthy clip. Next is Salesforce, which Morningstar thinks is a top long-term growth story in software. Now, while the enterprise cloud computing solution provider likely faces a dip in revenue growth below 20% at some point in the next few years, we think ongoing margin expansion will provide compound earnings growth of more than 20% for much longer. 
and we expect the firm to continue to benefit from cross-selling and upselling, pricing actions, international growth, and continued acquisitions. Lastly, there's Zimmer Biomet. Zimmer Biomet is the leader in large joint reconstruction, and Morningstar expects demand for large joint replacement to be solid, thanks to favorable demographics that include aging baby boomers and rising obesity. The company has cultivated close relationships with orthopedic surgeons and therefore enjoys vendor loyalty, which has helped the company dig a wide economic moat. Thanks, Susan, for sharing those investment ideas. Well, how did you like the new format of Investing Insights? We want to hear from you. Email us at podcast at Morningstar.com. Thanks to podcast producer Jake Vankerson, who puts this show together. And I'm thanking you for listening to Investing Insights. I'm Ivana Hampton, a senior multimedia editor at Morningstar. Take care. This recording is for informational purposes only and should not be considered investment advice. Opinions expressed are as of the date of recording. Such opinions are subject to change. The views and opinions of guests on this program are not necessarily those of Morningstar Inc. and its affiliates. Morningstar and its affiliates are not affiliated with this guest or his or her business affiliates unless otherwise stated. Morningstar does not guarantee the accuracy or the completeness of the data presented herein. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be considered tax advice. Please consult a tax and or financial professional for advice specific to your individual circumstances. Morningstar Research Services LLC is a subsidiary of Morningstar Inc. and is registered with and governed by the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission. Morningstar Research Services shall not be responsible for any trading decisions, damages, or other losses resulting from or related to the information, data analysis, or opinions or their use. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. All investments are subject to investment risk, including possible loss of principal. Individuals should seriously consider if an investment is suitable for them by referencing their own financial position, investment objectives, and risk profile before making any investment decision.